Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast. And I got here a Sacramento legend. He's been in the game for a very long time, and he's been in the slam even longer. Man is, this man's a beast. All right. So if anybody wants to take him on, I kindly pronounce you better stop while you can. But hey, that's so on, so on. That's on you. <laughs> but I like to introduce the man himself, Ike Torres. What up, Ike, man? <laughs> What's happening, bro? How you doing, Sharon? Man, I'm all right, man. It was it's, it's been a good week. It's been a good week, man. I'm I'm glad to hear from you, man. I know it's been it's been a rough year, <laughs> yeah. and it's been. I mean, I know you've had a lot of um transitions and stuff going mm-hmm. on, but I'm glad to still hear you. I'm glad to still see you on the performing performing side, still sharp. Your performing your performing sword still deep and sharp. And I know you can't wait to get back out on the, on the road and do some more havoc. But no, man, how, how's everything been with you? Man, uh, the 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 last year, mm-hmm. it's been it's just been wild to see how the how the coronavirus, the epidemic, uh, the pandemic, how all the things that happened over the summer. With George right. Floyd, with Donna Taylor, the presidential election, the insurrection, um, just how all that stuff has affected this this country and our people. Right. And uh, yeah, man, the year uh, on, on a personal side, it's it's been a roller coaster, um, just like everybody else, you know, out there. I had plans last year to do a whole bunch of really cool stuff, and it got put on pause, you know. In the beginning, there were in the beginning there was a little bit of like, should I cancel this? Should I keep <laughs> this? And you know, you went to the last minute. You know, right. lost a bunch of you know, lost a bunch of uh, not a bunch of money, but I lost out on some money and stuff like that. But I, I'm not really tripping. I'm just glad that I'm healthy. You know, luckily uh, I haven't caught the I didn't catch the virus, but I have had a couple of family members. You know, that almost died from it and. So that's been a that's been a real challenge. And then just not being allowed to be in the community and hosting and performing, it just really opened my eyes as to how much like all that really means to me and, and how all of my community means to me. You know, I never take my community for granted by any means, but I really just miss everybody. You know, I haven't really kept in contact with too many people. I got off all the social media for the last year, haven't been posting um occasionally might dip in and then i made the mistake of hopping on twitter and <laughs> that's a cesspool of bullshit bro like it's crazy but yeah man other than that man yeah, i'm 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 one of the people i'm a blessed person bro i'm happy i'm happy oh, right definitely. now man yeah definitely. living life bro but living. but like everything else man i'm trying to give you my we're going to talk about your flowers, man. How what what made you who you are today, the beast of <laughs> Sacramento? And one of sex, I mean, we've we've I've, I've always heard little stories and we've always had conversations and stuff. But this time, I really want to I really want to know the in depth of Isaac Torres and what makes <laughs> him who he is. So tell me about your what tell me about your start, man. What what got you into poetry? Man, it was probably two thousand two. 
um, I had been writing in, I wrote in high school a lot. Uh, my father bought a computer like early, like we had a computer like in probably like 97, you feel me? And uh, they had word processing program. Before that, I was on a typewriter. So I would do typewriter, write little stories and have fun like that. And I feel like the where my imagination came from was there was a year where when I first like moved with my father, I we lived on a on a prison uh, on prison grounds, bro. So, really? yeah. So and I wasn't allowed to go outside because they were literally like, you know, folks that were locked up outside washing the windows and you know so i had a limited amount of time of when i could go outside and play you know i was kind of like in a mini prison myself i did a little stretch you know and mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid but it was crazy bro and you know so during that time I, we didn't have we didn't have a whole bunch of stuff you know um so i got to just hone my hone my imagination man and and move moving forward from there uh in high school, I started to write. I started to perform. Like uh, I got a whole, I got into a class that was a drama class, and they taught me how to do Im- improvisations and having fun doing doing like some comedy skits and and stuff like that. Um, and then when I graduated, I really didn't get into anything too much. And then when my grandfather died in two thousand two, that's when I started to write a lot, and I started writing about my pain and all this and. Um, one day I got on, I got online and I typed in like, where can I do poetry? There was this little, there was this little spot. I forgot the bookstore, but it was, it was a circle. It was like called rattlesnake circle or rattlesnake press. Okay. Or something like oh, okay. That. Yeah. And we used to, yeah, bro. We said, we sat, we sat in a circle and I remember I did some of the poems that I had written in high school and I was like, it was cool. Cause I was getting, I was getting reactions from people in there and I was like, oh, oh, this is kind of dope. And then I'm listening to like all these people hearing the different styles. And I was just like, man. So then I was looking at more places, like where can I go and, and, and read and stuff like that. And I came across this website. It's called Malik Speaks. <laughs> and I was like reading about, he used to do like a, like a blog about what was popping in, in Sacramento slam. And I started just reading it and seeing like what was going on. And I saw that they would do like a slam every week, or I think it was like at that time, like every Wednesday. And it was, mm. this was back when Queen Sheba was called right. Sweet Finger Jamaica House. Yes. Yeah, I remember or it was Jamaica House. And then it became Sweet Finger. Yeah. So I got there when it was Sweet Finger. So, okay. so I went there like the first week I went there, I got scared. And I, <laughs> I parked my car and I was like, nah, you ain't getting on tonight, right? Then I went there again and I parked my car. And this time I got out of the car and I went up to the window and I looked in and I was just like, just, just, I just had a lot of fright, you know, getting in front of people. You feel me? Okay. Um, and then one day I was like, I hit my homeboy up and I was like, Hey man, can you come with me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, bro. So him and his girl came with me. And this, I ended up was it show enough and um and no oh, no nah, it was my homeboy my homeboy Ralph and his okay. girl at the time okay and so they came with me we I signed up or whatever they called my name and there were cats going before me and it didn't look nothing like that rattlesnake press as far as the right. styles the way people were performing dude I was sitting there like 
super duper intimidated. Like, man, these these cats are like, I don't know what they're doing, but I want to do some of that. You feel me? <laughs> a little street, a little more street. <laughs> man, just passion. You right. know, you know how the Sacramento style is. We're, Most definitely. we're passionate with ours. You feel me? Right. So, so I went there and it happened to be a slam qualifier night. Oh, okay. So I ended up getting, I think I ended up getting like third and I got points. And so I think like a couple weeks or a couple months, they were like, we're going to do a slam. We're going to do a slam team uh, qualifier thing. And I'm like, I didn't know, really know what, what that was about. So I went there, I went there one day and uh, for the slam to make the team and they were like, all right, we're going to have this many, you know, people are performing. And there was this OG. I don't know if a lot of people know him, but his name is Todd Mann. And okay. Todd Mann was beast, bro. Like hippie dude looking like he was like, he came outside and he was like, because I got there extra, you know, to this day, bro, you know me. I no, show early, yeah. bro. I, I come, I, if you invite me to a, to a venue to do a show for you, I'll get there like an hour early. So I could check it out and, you know, yeah. get the, the energy and I don't like being late. Um, so I got there hella early and he came outside. He was like, he was like, are you one of the poets trying to get on the team? I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, man. He's like, well, you'll probably, he said, if you get on, you're going to dig it. He's like, you smoke weed. I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, you're going to be good, man. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so so bro, immediately I'm like, you know, I'm like, that's what's up. Um, but then the slam came. And so people started filing in all these different people. I didn't, I didn't know who was who then. And um, we begin the slam. Kyrie gets up there. Uh, he gets up there and he, he's getting the crowd going. They're pouring libations. You know, we're, 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 it's just the whole thing, dude. I'm just sitting there just amazed because I had never seen anything like this before in my life. Mm. And they were like, okay, we're going to do a calibration poet. And it was, it was Dalek. I don't know if you, any Dalek brought Braithwaite or Brothwaite, but man, he was on deaf poetry and stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. So they're like calibration poet. He comes up, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a, I'm going to, I have CDs for sale. What have you? I bought one of those. I think my family bought some too, but man, when he got up there, bro, and he was done. I wanted to go home, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, this caliber. I was like, oh, shit, bro. Like, dude, I'm getting <laughs> chills right now talking about it, bro. I'm like, what? This is just the calibration, dude. This is just the warm up, right? But he was yeah. really the feature. So when he was done, I was just like, oh, my God, I need to practice. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was definitely. And then they're like, all right, first round, we go, you know, you go outside, you do the bout draw and, you know, it's the butterflies. It's, it's everybody's like giving each other props. Like, Hey, I hope you do good. I hope you do good. All this and that mm -hmm. we get the lineup or whatever. I think I drew like going third in the first round or something. First poet coming up to the stage and Kyrie would do speak poet speak. He still does speak poet speak. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like speak poet speak. Mm -hmm. Dude, Cleo cartel first round first poet she oh, goes up there dude and does this piece about jazz and at the time bro i know nothing about jazz <laughs> now i, I love i'm a jazz aficionado bro like nice. that's my, one of my favorite musics you know nice. uh, genre styles dude again i'm like 
oh my god dude like she's man it just blew my mind next poll comes up next poll comes, everyone's blowing my mind i'm just like dude and then i get up there with my old you know first three months ass poetry you know it's a different vibe when you're performing so anyways i got lucky and made the team okay um, and i and so that was my first slam team that was 2004 um or 2005 and so i get on my first slam team and and from there man i got to go to my first battle of the bay and dude this was like like all the ogs like jamie DeWolf and uh shaka and uh prentice powell bro like i could go on and on but just go to your first battle of the bay and now it's teams on teams on teams and I just fell in love with the craft from there. I, mean, I fell in love with the art form uh, right there. <clears throat> okay. Then we then we went to nationals, and uh, <laughs> so the nationals were in New Mexico that year. Okay. And so I ended up traveling with um, this dude named Maurice, aka he spit fire, and me and him traveled up to to New Mexico together to go to the the nationals, and then we met up with the team and. I ain't never seen no shit like that. Nationals are dope today, but like, I ain't never seen, it. it's not like how it used to be. Dude, I'm telling you, when we got there, dude, it was all these poets, dude, from all over, like kicking it. And uh, I just remember just like, wow, like this is something that exists. Like, cause you gotta, I gotta be real. Like at, before then I, I hadn't really gone outside of Sacramento too much, bro. Okay. So I'm meeting people from like the East coast. I'm meeting people from like, uh, different countries were there, you know, I mean, and they're all doing poetry, all different styles, hella people that were on like deaf poetry at the time. So I'm just blown away, dude, like poetry ciphers in the streets. Like it was just a trip. And I'll never forget. I went because I always like to hang around people who are older than me and right. just fill them out because they got mad knowledge to, to shed. So I went and kicked it with this cat. His name's Mac Dennis from Oakland, man. OG. Okay. He, you know what I'm saying? Hella cool dude, man. He had this poem about trees that I love. But anyhow, so I was kicking it with him and the OGs. And we were, we were chilling, having a good time or whatever. And I was like, man, I was telling him like, man, I can't believe I'm here and this and that, you know, because I'm just like hella excited. And he's like, I never forget. He was like, he was like, well, you're here, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, that means you belong. And I ain't never felt like I belonged to anything. But that made me be like, oh, I'm part of something. Like I'm part of a, a well, poetry, yeah, poetry in, the community, yeah, in the community at at large, global, bro. Like a global community of creators, and it was just a beautiful experience, man. And uh, so went through that. The next so that, year, so that was the start of your. That was your first um, poetry slam that you that you were. A national uh, being on the team and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what's y'all? What's y'all place? Oh man, we. I I, I couldn't tell you. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't. I know we didn't. We didn't really do that good. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you something about that though. Um. And this is what blew me away when this one I was like, Slam is a little different, right? Outside of like the Bay, outside of Sacramento, um, we go up there. We had this poem called "America." You created me. And we were like, we, we were like, we're going to come out of, we're going to place our position ourselves in different 
parts of the the venue, right? Okay. In the, at nationals, and uh, we were ready, right? We had it ready. We thought our piece, we were like our piece is on point. We got this, that, whoop, whoop. And so all the like any like all the Sacramento poets who do that now that come out of the crowd and all that, right? How at how at two thousand how at Kyrie and, and that that comes from us. No. <laughs> you feel me like Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i like the elders for that one man um so yeah man so we go to nationals with that and we're 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 kicking it or whatever and uh they're like team who's who's coming up sacramento they're like team peace so we all go get in our positions right and all of a sudden Noah, aka Super Noah, Nova, you know, Noah Lee Hayes, man. He comes out of he comes out of left field. America, you created me, bam, bam, bam. He spit fire. Maurice comes out spitting his. I come and spit mine. And the whole time, bro, the crowd is just like, like looking around, like, you know what I'm saying? 29 point something. And we're like, oh, we about to win the bout, right? Because the up until then, like the, the highest score was like a 26 or something like that. 27, okay. maybe. Because you know nationals is I'll give you a two, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So so, anyways, bro, like the next people who come up, right? This team from this team from I forgot where they were from, but they go up and they do like this thing where they're just doing a chant. No poetry, like as far as like what we were used to, like structure, or they weren't doing like rhyming schemes. They weren't doing anything. They were just da da da. They were saying like, "Put the bone in." I put the bone in. I put the bone, the bone, the bone, the bone. And we're sitting there like as a team, like man, just the last team to go. Man, when I tell you, they were like, "All right, what's the scores?" These cats, I think they got a thirty. <laughs> Damn. So right there, we were just like, like lightweight deflated, like what? Like that got a 30? Because I'm telling, man, it was, but it was how they performed it. It, it was a mm. different style. And, you know, but that was dope because that was when like Anis Mohani, he was just a calibration poet. This before he became what he ends up becoming, like, you know, winning nationals and <clears throat> worlds. And, and that was all. There was another uh, team from Miami who was dope, and they had a poet named Will the Real One. And that right. dude was—I love Will the Real One, man. They had Alvin Lau. They had—I mean, dudes break dancing, doing poems, like literally <laughs> doing flares and 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 doing a piece. You know what I mean? Like it was just amazing. And then anyway, man, the next night, I didn't—I didn't get any solo time. But the next night, I got solo time. So Kyrie's like. Kyrie's like, all right, man, I'm gonna let you go up on this round or whatever. I'm like, he's like, you ready? He's like, yeah, man, I'm ready. So they call me up, coming up next second round, who you sending? They're like, Ike Torres. I'm like, ah. so I'm walking up to the stage, dude. There's hell, it's packed. It's, it's, it's like this little spot. So I get up there, dog. I'm looking out the crowd and I'm just like, oh shit. And I start going, right? I start doing my thing. Dun, dun, dun. I got so into it that i lost it <laughs> oh know that feeling <laughs> and that was my first that was my first stage death you know what i'm saying and i was like i was like boom 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 lost it trying to find it trying i'm to find sitting there it. in my mind like oh my god oh my god where am i at where am i, at? Where am I, at? Where am I at? and then that quickly turns into you fucking dumb <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> start questioning yourself what the and then they see i know like 
I found I found the end. I was trying to find the middle, but I was like, well, I, I can't find the middle, so I'm gonna find the end. And this is happening in like 10 seconds. And right. 10 seconds of silence on stage is death. Okay. Yeah. Especially if it's not meant to be that way. So uh I lose it, I get off, I scored okay. And when I got off, people hell of the the poets from all over, they were like, man, like giving me tips, helping me out. They were picking me up. And I was like telling them like, man, I lost my peace, man. I lost my peace. And Kyrie knew, Noah knew, everyone knew, but they're like, man, you, you recovered well. But so that was my introduction into nationals. And it was, it was, that, it was harsh, but it, all in all the experience was really dope, bro. Like, seriously, like, I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm out here doing something different. Um, and yeah, man. So that was it. That was my introduction to, to, to nationals, to slam, to the art form. So, so what? Kept, I mean, I know since it's like you said, oh four and stuff. What kept you? What 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 made you want to go to the next one? Did Kyrie start up? They had they, were they getting ready for the next one, and the next one, or it was just like you were just uh, so, doing your own. Huh? So the next year was the 2016. Right. And oh, so, damn! So you went from 2004 all the way to 2016. No, six. Oh, six. Okay, go. So five, I was on 2005, uh-huh. tried out on four, and five, we got the team together. Okay. And then 2000, I might be messing up the dates, but 2006, um, I was like, I was like, all right, like, I need to practice. When I came home from, when I came home from, um, when I came home from nationals after the first year, I was like, man, I need to, I need to like, really like get it in. And <clears throat> I was getting my ass kicked, man. But you gotta understand, man. Back then, there were so many people who were just like, <laughs> "Man, we had some." There were some killers, man. Right. Sack. I mean, there's there is now too, but back then, dude, it was it was just it was different, man. And so I was going to slams and just getting my ass handed to me, left and right, left and right. And then I started to win, like mm-hmm. after a good year. And then the next team slam came about, and uh. And I ended up winning. Oh, okay. And, and I felt like I had something to prove to myself because the first when I first made the team, I think I want to say like one of my family members was a judge. Oh, so that, that didn't sit right with me. You know? <laughs> so when I got to the venue that night, I told Kyrie, I was like, "Hey, bro, don't let none of them be a judge." He was like, "All right, cool." Because I was like, "I'm about to go in tonight, and for myself to be feel right." You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. let me be, I'm gonna be quite honest with you. Like that first year, I shouldn't know. I shouldn't have made the team. Really? I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have made it. I shouldn't have made it, man. Um, but but I, you I think was, about it. That actually, even though you think you shouldn't, that actually propelled you to go for you are now. So. No, honey. yeah, no, you're right, man. You're right. But you know, I'm a. I like merit, you know. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, like I shouldn't. I shouldn't have made that. But I did, and I took advantage of it. And like I said, I put in my work and the next year, man, I, I just killed it. Like I, right. I really did. I really did. I killed it and I worked my ass off. And, but like I said, I got beat a few times. Um, but yeah, man, I, that, that was me. And I didn't go on any more teams after that for a long time. And I, I ended up actually like quitting for a long time, like not quitting, quitting, but like getting away from stuff because, uh, man, like just life, life stuff. You know, my my problem was when I was on on the team, especially the second year, is I had personal stuff going on. And I 
I wouldn't go to like, I would miss practices and shit like that, you know, and I, I was just a young dummy and I wasn't really like taking advantage of, of not even taking advantage, but I wasn't really like appreciative of, you know, what like Kyrie was doing as far as putting the team together and making sure that we go out and represent Sacramento. And I was just caught up, too caught up out there in the streets. Mm. And uh, so, man, like from after that, I, I ended up uh, getting off that team, went to nationals again. I don't know what we placed again, um, I'll be honest with you, but that was in Austin. But it was still it was another dope experience. But it wasn't nothing like that first one, man. That first one was just we ended up, I think uh, they ended up getting the hotel manager fired <laughs> because, dude, it was wild, bro. They were doing butt naked foot races. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like naked poets running through doing races, like running the hundred butt ass naked in Albuquerque <laughs> in the hotel. Because I remember like <laughs> I fell asleep the first night. Right. So hella, hella early because I was kicking it. Like I said, I was kicking it with Mac Dennis and all them cats and I got lit and I ended up passing out. But uh, everyone else stood up and they and, and so I got to only see pictures of stuff. But wow. dude, they were like they were doing they were like skinny dipping like everybody. <laughs> I'm talking about when I say everybody, dude, I'm talking about everyone. A lot of cats that you saw in like Deaf Poetry and stuff were there mm-hmm. and stuff. Everyone was in there swimming butt naked and just being free. It was like Woodstock for poets you feel me so it was a different thing man it was love it was cool man it was a fun time man but yeah, having a good old time basically <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was man those first two those first two slam years were dope bro and then uh i kind of went i kind of like built up a little bit mm-hmm. and kept at it kept at it kept writing kept doing my thing um but like i said i i got, I got a, afforded a lot of opportunities when i was younger that I just didn't take advantage of. And then I kind of like, I kind of wasted just because I was being young and stupid. And um, like my, like right before I feel like I, I, I should have like took advantage of, of some opportunities was I'll never forget. Like this was like 2008. Mm. And this, this girl got from LA, actually, she got bit by a recluse spider. Ouch. And uh, the homegirl. uh, Aoife Madupe, she reached out to me. She was like, hey, I, uh, my friend has an opportunity out in, in Stockton. Uh, do you want to fill in? This girl got bit by a spider, right? I'm, right. Like, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm down. So anyways, I go out to UOP. Okay, nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just got lucky, bro. And, you know, before I was doing all kinds of stuff in the community. But so I got, in, I got invited to UOP and um, it was a... Uh, they were trying to put together this, this, get some funding for this nonprofit, which is still around. It's called with our words. It's um, Tama Brisbane is in charge of it. Okay. Right. So I was there with, I was like, it was tight, man. It was cool. And uh, so I go up, I mean, it's just got this fancy dinner, bro. Like they got plates for like, you know, you buy tables. So right. you know, table lawyers, they paid 35 G's to be there. This person, 5,000, 10,000. I'm sitting with, with all these people in, in like tight suits. And then Tama's dressed up. Tama has on a, a, she has on a dashiki. And then I'm in there with my long hair and my, my fedora on. And we just looked hella out of place. <laughs> and she told me, she was telling me too. She was like, she was like, we we're just looking around. And they were like, the show, you're going to do a piece or whatever. 
So before we, before I went on, they were doing like, it was show tunes. It was Broadway. It was like all this, like really, uh, like, I don't know, this just different. Like they didn't, they weren't ready for what we were about to bring to the, uh, to the show. Right. So anyhow, man, I, uh, I had a piece called fat president at that time and they called me up and I was getting in my head. I ain't never had a meal that was that was three courses and sh- you know they're I, <laughs> I got I got I got ten forks you know I'm out of place bro I'm like oh t- she's having to walk me through and then this old this old dude was walking me through he was like yeah man you use that one for this <laughs> so, yep. so anyhow bro they're like I'm getting in my head I'm like man these people don't they 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 ain't gonna want none of this but what I'm about to offer you know what I mean because right. you know you it's, it's like you're saying like when you say oh it's like a street or it's, it's it's a different thing we don't think like we don't think like other people would appreciate that and then what right. we'll do is we'll get in our heads and then we'll we'll shrink ourselves and I was just sitting there like man I'm about to go up there and do it a little bit different right okay. like conform I would never do that now or ever think of that now because I'm older and I have experience. But anyways, man, I go up there, they call me up. It's all these lawyers and politician cats and, and, and people who got donors and all this other stuff. So I was like, man, I'm just going to do me, man, represent, man. I went up there, bro. And got mine off. All these squares were like, yeah. Oh, like, dude, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) dude. And I'm I'm sitting there like, whoa, bro. Like, yo, this is really going on right now. And, um, yeah. So after that, uh, I got an opportunity every year. What used to happen was someone would come to UOP and they would bring a bunch of artists together, um, to open for like common or, I think Lupe Fiasco was there one year. Talib oh, Kwali, nice. Kwali and all that. So then it was like, um, then it was like, she called me up and was like, hey man, I got you a slot. I'm like, what? Talib Kwali, what? <laughs> nah, really? Yeah, okay. So anyways, man, we go out there. I go out there or whatever. And um, he was late coming from the Bay. So, mm-hmm. and it was raining that day. And there were, I mean, like it was sold out. So there's, I think, I think that is, it's like a 900 seater, right? Right. So there's all these people standing in line getting rained on. I'm in my head, like, oh my God, like I've never, dude, the most people I've been in front of at, at that point was like 40, you know what I mean? Okay. Like yeah, maybe I in, at nationals, a hundred, maybe 150, probably not even that. So I'm like, oh my God. Anyways, man. She comes out to me, and I don't know why this happens to me my whole freaking time that I've been in the arts, but I always get the uh, I always get the opportunity to like, okay, out of nowhere, we're moving you up in the lineup to go first or some shit. You feel me? And I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> you about to throw me to the wolves, dude? Like, literally, because <laughs> it's cold. You know how it is, man. The audiences are cold. Yep. And so, and they've been waiting for like an hour and a half, man. So I'm sitting there like, all right, I got to do this. I don't know who I texted or who, I don't even think I would know. There was no texting at that point. <laughs> it was like that, you know, hit, hit a, to get a or B, right. all that. I think I called somebody and they were like, man, just do your thing or whatever. So 
man, I, they were like, all right, you're going first, you're opening up. And I had, I did the wrong thing and I peeked out the curtain and dude, it was just a wall of humans. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, this is, this is freaking stupid. Um, okay. So the, the host does their thing and they're like, all right, coming first to the stage. Oh, but before I say that though, there was an article that came out the week before because there were people from Stockton who were mad and and were rightfully so. They were like, "Why are they going to let let poets come up when you know? I mean, we have a whole hip hop community here, yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. that in the air too. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's in my, I'm thinking of all this performing to me is always a, and I think to anybody who does it is there's it's very mental, especially right. performance. It's very mental, so you have to have the right frame of mind. You have to be dialed in. You cannot lose to the audience before you even get out there and mess yourself up. So I'm just like, all right. They call me out there. I go out there, dude, and I'm just like walking to the stage and people are like, ah, and I'm like, oh my God, dude. And so I grabbed the mic out the stand and luckily I didn't fumble it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I'm not used to performing with mics. So I grabbed the mic out of the stand and I was like, repeat after me. And then and I, as soon as I did that, dude, all 900 of those people were just like, ah, da, da. they were, they call and response. Then I started doing my thing. Boom, 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 boom. And mm-hmm. man, when I was done, dude, and for the rest of the night, I was getting so much left, but it was like, <laughs> and dog, I'm, I'm getting chills just talking about it. And it was my first time where I was like, oh man, this is like, wow. And, uh, it's messed up though, because like I said, you know, when I started talking about this, it's like that was like the end. Cause after that, bro, like it just went through a bunch of stuff out here in the street oh, okay. and as a personal thing. So I was kind of I was kind of moving up because anytime that you get into I feel like anytime and you see it, because we see homies, you know, right. that are that move up and get into move higher and higher and like do bigger and bigger shows and stuff right. like that. So I'm kind of like on a trajectory. And then I just, I pretty much sabotaged it, man. I ain't going to lie. And from there, I just like, I got out of it and it kind of, me- it messed up my momentum. But those, those, those years building up, man, was like, it was like the best. It was the best, man. It was so, it was so dope. And um, that and going and, and later on going to to Italy and doing my thing was like, those were like two big times where I was like, man, but yeah, I wish I, I wish I would have been on my stuff more, man, when I was a kid and not been so doing dumb shit, you know? So what so when so as you're saying, so when did you go on hiatus and how long? I went on hiatus from 2000 and probably like the summer of 2008 um, to 2013 oh dang five years five years bro like i like stopped really i would perform sometimes you Mm. know i still get a a gig here and there but i wasn't after it like i was i wasn't like hungry like that because like i said man i was going through a lot out here like i was man living in my cars and getting in get not getting in trouble with the law you know Never still getting in some but, you know, situations, play, yeah. Playing some, some some things, you know, right. um, some uh, some things, and uh, just you know, took me off my square, and and yeah, man. So like for like almost five years, 
I didn't do anything. And I went to school during that time. Like right. I said, I was, I lived in my car for a little while and then I, uh, some other things happened. Um, one of my boys actually that I was living with, he ended up going to prison, man, got, right. got in trouble. And, uh, you know, I walked in on our, on the house that we were living in, it was raided and, uh, you know, it was just a wild situation. So we, right. so the house got, the apartment got lost. And so then I had to live in my car for a while and I was still going to slams. Like after living in my car, like I might go to a slam where there's like $50 to be made, bro. Like, right. Hey, I need 50 bucks. So I was kind of, okay. using that, you know, a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, not too often. I don't want to put too much on it, but no, no, it's awesome. you it's know, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still doing my thing, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, so after that, you know, that was kind of like rock bottom. And I went, I started going to school. And so my focus changed and I was like, I'm just going to go to school. And, um, I started doing really good in school, like really good in school. And I was like getting blown away by all the knowledge that I was taking in finally reading books. And like, I, it, up to that point, man, you know, a crazy thing is when I first tested into like going to college, I remember all my stuff was like remedial. Like it was, it was all like, uh, elementary school level like reading right. elementary math elementary so the so when i came back to school um in 2009 when i tested in i got like i tested into like honors english and stuff and right. this is where for me i'm like dude like i learned everything that i know about i learned everything that i know about like reading and and writing um not reading but writing from poetry oh okay my that was my education you know what i'm saying but did you did, like, did you ever take like a, a poetry class or anything or was it more never. On, the, on the job training on the job bro like yeah <laughs> nah, like no nah, i never no nah, i never got to i never got a chance to do that um i didn't know where to find that anyway you feel me like uh, right. so yeah i never got to take a class or anything like that but i was um I was just blown away by like how much of an impact it had on me. I learned every, like a lot of the stuff that I learned, man, like, and, and, and me knowing that there were other things outside of just like kicking it with the homies and doing dumb shit, you know, like poetry really like made me like, wow. So when I went back to college, when I went back to, to college, I got into this thing called ethnic theater workshop right. and an ethnic theater workshop. They teach you like the first years about yourself the second year is about how you infect, how you affect the world as a team, as a as a global community. And man, I went through that with Miss uh, Doctor Angeli Bialforke. That's my that's my mentor. That's my Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. You know what I'm saying that that man, she helped me a ton, man. Like with this, so I go through that two years of that. I still would perform like in that, like we would do like a theater show at the end of the year. Right. And the next year I was like, I was still going to school, still getting good grades and, and doing my thing. And the next year I asked if I could be a, if I could be a, um, assistant a TA, or a teacher's okay. assistant. Right. So, cause I wanted to give back and I wanted to, I wanted a mentor. So I did that for no credit, but what I got back in, in just helping people, man, and, and how art could help people, you know, cause that's what that class was really about. And, uh, did a couple shows with them. And, and at the end of the year, I started taking, I took an acting class and, right. then, 
And then I was like, oh, man, like, I forgot, like, I really love to do acting. Like, this shit is like, for real, like, I really enjoy this. And my teacher took me to a play. Miss Alforque took me to a play. And we went there. And when I was done, I was like, man, I want to I need to I want to get back on stage, man. Like, I miss it. I want to do theater out. And so she's like, well, she's like, well, um, one of my one of my friends or one of my mentors is doing a, a casting for a zoot suit, right? Okay. So I'm like, all right, let me go try it out. So I go and I I, I perform a I have to sing and I have to audition. There's hella people. <laughs> right. I'm singing Strangers in the Night. I'm uh <laughs> I'm doing a monologue, you know, you feel me? And right. um <laughs> and uh so I got I ended up getting cast. Nice. And, yeah. So I was like, hey, I got cast. I'm excited. And dude. And so when we come back the next, I think it was like a few months after that, we were getting together to actually like go rehearse and all that stuff. So, man, I went through I went to rehearsals and we had to learn how to dance. We had to learn how to I mean, act on stage and be big on a play. And I was like one of the main characters. Um but I'm one of these people, like when I, when I'm like doing something as far as like practicing and stuff, like I just enjoy it. So I thrived in that environment. Like I love rehearsal. I love trying new things. I like, dude, I would practice, I practiced so hard for that, to, to do that play. And it was really cool, man. So at the end of the day, man, like me and my partner were just like, we're, we're definitely the best dancers on there. We were doing <laughs> backflips back and dog, like I was feeling myself during that place. So I ain't even going to lie. Um, and so yeah man after that i found theater and so then i did like a couple more plays and then the last play i was doing i was like jumping back on social media and stuff and uh and i think it was Kyrie or noah reached out on facebook and they're like hey man you want to come do do some spoken word and i was like yeah and i went back out and i was super like super like um nervous and that was in 2000, I think 13, the end of 13 or early 14. And then I just got in my mind. I'm like, I'm like, man, I already know how to, I know how to write, you know, I know how to do poetry. And I'm like, now I know what the process of theater, because theater is a process of create, like, it's like the same thing, but you're doing it like not only like reading and interpreting, analyzing script. Right. rehearsing and trying to find like different rhythms and things like that kind of like what we do in poetry right. but you're playing you're playing off of others so i'm like i'm like man like what if i did like this but did a play wrote my own play and performed my own stuff um and that's what i did i was so, like, I was, so is this I, start this is what started you to do your one man one man thought pr- plays and stuff yeah okay that's what started me, bro. Cause I'm like, cause I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm like, man, like, how do I, why am I doing plays? Because when you do plays, you're, you're auditioning for stuff that sometimes you might be doing because you're just trying to get better at the craft of acting. Um, but one, there's not a ton of roles for, I mean, this is Sacramento community theater, dude. Like, there's not a ton of opportunities for, especially like here in Sacramento there at that time, there's more now. I mean, it's beautiful now, but you know, like they like who's casting for, you know, a Mexican guy, you know, <laughs> so, you know, who's casting for a native dude, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I was like, Hey man, 
I, I, I remembered, I remembered when I was a kid, I watched a dude named John Lake was on when I was That's a baby. Right. And I'm like, and I, it, it rekindled that. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I started rewatching all his stuff. I started studying like all like, you know, George Carlin and I right. started studying prior, you know, and I, I used to do that when I was a kid, man, I, I would rent just because to me, comedy is this is, is similar in a sense that it's a one person thing. It's like a one person show, but it's sure. comedy, it's, pun, it's right. punchlines. It's a completely different craft, a completely different skill set. But you're just it's just you up there. Right. So I'm like, yo, man, like I just need to. I need to learn how to do that. So yeah, that's what got me on the path to creating my own show. So so what's your so your first show? What was it called? Scatterbrain. Scatterbrain. Okay. So um, well, okay. So before before that, did you already have the show already finished and was already performing it before you went into the 2015 um, Slam Team or or after? Um. So before y'all went to Oakland. Yeah, I wrote that in that took me about a year and a half to put together okay before i did it like as far as like the pieces were concerned uh writing it down um learning it because that's a process in itself it's a whole new process you know it's right. like but what was cool is i would go ahead and i would be able to go to like poetry venues and open mics and shows and stuff like that and practice pieces that would later be able to so i was able to kind of work it because i was like I was like, oh shit, because I know that's how like a comedian constructs their work, right? right. They test it on audiences. So I'm like, well, why don't I just take that same mentality with with my monologues and my poetry and, and all that type of shit? So that's exactly what I did. I was like, it's a no brainer. So I created a schedule. I was a, I was attacking uh, open mics and you know I had a process and put in place and uh, you know review and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, man. So like when it was ready to go, I was like, I feel like I did enough uh, studying and. You know, um, I was ready to bring it, ready to bring it to to the people. And that was cool because I've always been of a mindset of why wait, you know, like, you know, and I wish like other I wish other people would realize that. And I think a lot of people are now. It's like, you know, I'll never understand like some nights when all the homies are doing shows and it's like everyone's doing their own thing. And they're working for these other people. And I'm like, why aren't we like coming together and doing a show together, controlling, <laughs> controlling all of the operations together, right. and, and showing each other our audiences and learning the business of show business. You feel me? Like learning how to how to sell tickets, how to get a venue, how to rent stuff, how to do this. And that's what I did, man. I, I was like, all you need, I mean, is it easy to get money? No, but if you don't spend it on certain things and you save up, you could do your own show. So I was like, shit, I'm like, what am I, you know what I mean? Why not just put one on myself? You know, and I know home and I got homies. I got homies in the community that stage manage and do lights. And I got, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, it's a no brainer. I'm going to put this together on my own. Um, So so with that in mind, so did you, um, did you, what did you, what did you learn about doing monologues? versus poetry or did you just see them as synced um so i already know theater and theater and poetry they have you know they have cousins together and stuff but then sometimes they always try to jump back apart it's like it's like shakespeare always did you know they always come together and they always come apart so yeah man with with theater with theater and monologues did for me was teach me how to take take 
take on something and make it something different each time, depending on how I was feeling. So, you know, in theater is different. You're going with the vibe. You're connecting with the people who are performing with you. And depending on how you feel that night, most of the time, unless it's negative and it's going to affect the team, you're going to go with that. Mm. that feeling that whatever right as long as you're still respecting the words and what the what the playwright is is uh their intention for the for the story because you're serving the story you feel me so what monologues what monologues taught me was like when i do my poetry and when i perform poetry like how am i serving this story how am i serving where do i create beats where do I do, you know, one of the guys that, um, one of the older guys that I met in theater, he always told me like, he's like, man, I like what you do. He said, but you need to learn peaks and valleys. And I'm like, what the hell is peaks and valleys? bro?" (laughs) So he's like, he's like, take them up, Ike, take them down, take them up, take them down, take them here, take them left, take them right. I'm like, oh, because up until then, I, I'm just raw power, bro. I'm just, ah, or, right. you know, doing my line and, you know, I'm doing everything. And so it taught me to, 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 to craft the poetry for performance. Oh. Um, it also taught me how to, and I'm still learning how to write monologues because they're difficult. Right. Um, it taught me like characters breaking down a piece, you know, like when people perform their poetry, if they work with me and it's on like a, like a coaching level, right. I like to really get them to, to think about, like I said, the mental aspects of it. Like, let's analyze this. How does it make you feel? How many times have you spoken it? How many times have you rehearsed it? Do you, if I, if I tell you, if I give you a sentence, do you know where to go from there? You know, because what it, what you're doing with monologues and poetry and when you perform it, you're internalizing you know, a lot of people that do poetry or or spoken performance, they'll say, like, my body's my instrument. But what they don't do is learn how to play their instrument. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't right. know how to play. They don't ever go f- far enough into their voice, into their body, into their mind and spirit so that when they can get up on stage, they can serve the piece and feed off the audience and really enjoy the art, you know, as mm-hmm. a whole. Because you're creating when you whenever you get an opportunity, in my opinion, whenever you get an opportunity to perform with people or perform before an audience, it is a it's a song and it's a dance. And the most beautiful times is when you know your work so deep that you can actually enjoy the reactions of the audience, because sometimes and some nights they'll 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 make you go somewhere you didn't even know existed. Right. But come back. But they'll 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 give you inspiration on this on and if you are just up there um in turn if you're up there just like just regurgitating words that you memorize and had written you're not going to be able to enjoy that part of it the Mm. performance part for real performance part so that's what the monologues that's what the monologues in the theater taught me for poetry you know and also too like 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 for like dude like i'm telling you man like i've had a lot of stuff that's very that's that's old i ain't gonna lie um like the last two years probably the most of new stuff i've written in a long time you know like at least like three or four years um but i know my material and i know my act so well that i could perform it anytime but um what's what i've been lucky at is that i can make it feel like it's it's something different just by how i'll do it you know i could 
you know, there's stuff where people be like, oh, that's a monologue. It's like, no, it's not. Because if I if I read it in a different rhythm, then it's going to sound like a poem. If I if I spit it, if I spit it like it's uh, like a like a like a rap, like some bars, then I can make it that, you know, like to me, like what I pay attention to and with poetry and what I've learned from jazz, especially jazz is listening to the rhythms and that's the thing dude there's so many rhythms there's so many different syncopations that you can implement in your um performance in the way that you deliver um moving your body and things like that so i'm I'm always fascinated with technique and uh yeah man so that's what i learned from that you so you do so uh, i i think we talked before but you do have like a little rap background too, that you used to rap back in the days and stuff, or no? Nah, man, I ain't never rapped. <laughs> I mean, some ain't saying. Oh, I'm serious. Sometimes, sometimes your cadence sounds like you just based there going from a, from a rapper's point of view, just throwing it out there and almost like you know, it's like you're like a, a Buster Ryan without the you know, without, without the long hair, just off the long red look and stuff. Just the Buster Ryan's like, oh my god, he's a beast up. <laughs> like here's the thing, here's yeah. the thing, bro. Like, like you know, and that's what's funny when I used to go to. uh when I like when I was in nationals and I would do stuff in like with other poets, like, yeah, there was I would always get that question, like, man, you you a rapper, bro? And I'm I'm like, nah. They're like, Well, it sounds like you're rapping, you're not doing poetry. And I'm like, Well, at that time, if I wish I had the skill set, I would have told him, like, that's just how I like to perform. Right. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, I'll never forget this dude came up to me. He said, he was like, he's like, Hey, I, uh, do you write poetry? And I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Like that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> he's like, he's like, nah. He's like, nah. But, but do you write? And I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, what are you talking about? But I understood what he meant. And and with that, I'm like, and you know, I think that that that's where shit gets kind of crossed up. Like, even when you're like kicking it with like the OGs, you know, the people who came from a different era and stuff, like. I'm like, I could read like you. I could read my stuff like you. The reason why I don't sound like that is because my style isn't like that. You know, it's not how right. I'm feeling. That's not how that's not how I'm styling my piece. But like, don't get it twisted, though. Like, I think it was like in 2000, like, I don't know when, man, like maybe 15. I, I was going heavy to like a whole bunch of different open mics. And one of the places that I went to was uh, there was this mic, most open mic in the city. You know, the one that Andrew does, right? Yes. Yes, yes. Bro, and this was on it. I don't know what night it was, but there were some nights where it was just like special, dude. Like it's all special, but there was some some, some specific nights that were like just magic, bro. Like a lot of cats that are out doing their thing now on a bigger level, national level, would just be out there just jamming, you know, mm-hmm. doing beatboxing and uh poetry and playing music. And we would start just doing songs and stuff. So one night I was like, I was like, man, I'm about to hop in the cypher real quick. Cause I ain't never did that before. So right. I was like, man, let me hop in. So I did it. And I was like, okay. So then after that, like I would, I would, I, that was a new skill that I was learning. I'm still not, to me, I'm still not good at it at all, but I can, I'm serviceable. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But that also got you to become a ZFG, right? I was Remember? never an official member of them. Oh, I thought they, well, I thought they, made you nah i was never official official like that but i was very i wasn't i was definitely aligned with them for sure yeah like because i I liked what they were doing for the city i liked how they were getting their thing off um and and, you know a lot of them cats are cool it's cool as hell that that go to our you know we all see each other at the different venues and whatnot but yeah as far as me being a rapper i would never like 
because I respect rap too much to say that I'm an MC like that. But I, I will, I can, I will bust some some flows when needed, you know, right. when necessary. But that's, but majority of that is because of how much I love hip hop, you know. Okay. I like jazz, and I love hip hop, so, um, you know, I'm st- I still listen to hip hop, and right. that's why I can't stand when people. You know, especially like people in my my age group, you know, they're like, oh, these young kids, you know, they're doing that get off my lawn right. bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro, but there's some dope ass hip hop artists, some young kids. There's one there's like the last dude that I'm really listening to right now. That's pretty new is that cat. Uh, uh, Corday, man. Like, oh yeah, Corday, yeah. Man, the Lost Boy, man, like yeah. that shit was hard. So I've always loved hip hop. I write to hip hop. You know, I, I tried when I sit down to write, like when I sit down to write monologues and play, mm-hmm. play material type shit. And even I don't, I don't like doing it with poetry because I don't ever want to be influenced and steal a line on accident, which mm-hmm. I would never do because I honor the craft too much. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather die. Right. You know what I mean? Than take someone else's work. But, um, I'll, man, dude, I'll listen to you. I'll be listening to some straight hip hop and writing monologues like i've tried i tried doing the thing where it's like put on some classical music and <laughs> let your let your brain fire you know what i'm saying like right. that ain't that ain't me bro i gotta have i need some gritty shit on you know i'll put on like right now like i do like i'm working on my new show right now and i'm like i'm listening to benny the butcher like a motherfucker i'm listening nice. to uh what is it? What's this shit called? I was just listening to it before I got on with you, man. But plugs I met too, bro. I be listening. Right. I'm listening to plugs I met too and writing about love and, and peace and shit. You know what I'm saying? Nice. nice. So man. so I love hip hop, bro. Like right. even I like watching MCs. I like being I like being around MCs. I I feel like they don't get enough credit for the brilliance and the way that they manipulate language. And I feel like it's not probably not going to happen until it's kind of happening now, but it's probably not going to be until maybe another decade or two where people are going to be like, man, some dudes, some ladies, some non-gender conforming individuals created an art form and a language that will be taught. And it's already being taught like in universities and all that. Not that you need any of that shit to validate you, but I just, to me, I'm like, man, the way that MCs put shit together, man, is just like, it blows my mind. And I, I hella respect it. You know what I mean? And, and right. so, yeah. So that's why I will perform like that because I'm very hip hop influenced, man. Like for, for sure. This concludes our first part of our two part episode of with Ike Torres. For more information, please go to look up Ike Torres Live. That is Ike Torres Live. And for Iambic, please go to Iambic Zine on all social medias. Thank you.